The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton here as always. Appreciate you uh, joining us for the next uh, 30 minutes as we have a frank and open conversation about gambling addiction. We do not espouse any specific beliefs towards addiction other than it's real. And gambling addiction, much like alcohol and drugs, is a real recognized addiction that does affect people. It doesn't affect the majority for sure, but it does affect some of you that are listening, either directly as the gambler yourself, or sadly, those of you out there that may have a loved one or a buddy or a friend who is uh, falling to the addiction and uh, may not know where to turn to for help. So part of this uh, show is to have an open, frank conversation about addiction, what it looks like, and also maybe uh, clue you in that somebody in your life needs help and doesn't know how to ask for it, and you may not know how to give it. Joining us, as always, from the Council on Compulsive Gambling in New Jersey, better known to you as 1-800-GAMBLER, is Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Craig. Good morning. Good morning. Before I welcome our guests today, I just want to acknowledge one thing. Uh, just over a week ago on my regular show with Evan Roberts, that you know, 2 to 7 here in WFAN, I had a breakdown. Uh, I had an emotional moment where uh, I cried, and uh, it was very real and organic and really amazingly liberating at the yeah. same time uh, afterwards. And I just wanted to thank everybody that reached out. Uh, who heard it either live or saw the video of it, I guess, afterwards. And it meant so much to me that so many people, not just were moved by it, but were thankful that it happened because it meant something to them for their recovery or a friend of their of theirs' recovery. And Dan, I, you were one of the people that reached out, but I'm glad what happened last Friday on our show happened. And I thought, you know, after the fact that it showed that you know, it's a lifelong battle, and some of the scars that we still have while we were in the throes of our addiction are still very real and very tangible. And I thought that was an important message uh, for people to hear and to get a, get to understand. Yeah, and you know that, and that's the real aspect of of addiction, and especially with gambling, it kind of hits us in waves, Craig. It really does. Yeah, we could be going along our journey, whether it's a, a a month, a year, three years, and we're in recovery, and all of a sudden, something just hits us. And, you know, we, we get brought right back into that spot and we realize, like, wow, I really, I really created a lot of problems in my life and for other people. And it just overwhelms us. It's like this wave of emotion that just comes and it's okay. And, you know, I was listening to that and I had the privilege to listen to that. And I did reach out to you after because I just, we always want to remain uh, encouraged, you know, be encouraged. Yep. And it's normal and it's okay. And, you know, it, it, was, it was moving. I had tears in my eyes as well. No, I appreciate it. And it all came because another guy shared a story. And uh, yeah. I related to it, as we do so many times on the show. You know, there's, it's not always all relatable, but we all do have some kind of commonality somewhere along the line. Which brings me to Jeff. Jeff uh, is a, uh, a gambler, a compulsive gambler, who's in recovery right now and is uh, nice enough to share his story with us. Jeff, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Craig. I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Uh, first off, how long have you gone without gambling? And uh, walk us through kind of the, the steps you took to get to whatever place you're in now, which I assume is a pretty good place in life. Yeah, absolutely. 
Sure. I haven't gambled since July of 2015. Okay. And uh, what brought me to recovery is, quite frankly, getting caught. I did not Mm. voluntarily enter recovery. I did not have an epiphany like so many others have had. Uh, I just got caught uh, and, uh, and had a choice in my own mind of either uh, ending my life or coming clean and uh, never thought that I would actually come clean because I didn't think that I would be able to endure the overwhelming shame that my gambling and gambling related behaviors had caused. But, uh, you know, for some reason, maybe it was a higher power moment or, uh, just a, uh, you know, an instant of clarity that uh, I decided to go home and, and uh, start my journey of recovery. So I, I need to ask, and I appreciate you being so open about it. That means you contemplated not living, I imagine, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I, in, in fact, I had a plan in place in my own mind for, for several years. I was uh, a practicing attorney for over 30 years in, uh, in Delaware. And I knew uh, because I had uh, gambled with funds that were in my firm's trust accounts that there would be a point in time where those accounts would be audited and it would be a question of when and not if. And I had decided that when that uh, time came that um, I was just going to, uh, you know, to have an exit plan of ending my life. And uh, in a way that gave me a sense of uh, closure and in a, in a very strange sense, a, a sense of, uh, of comfort. But when the day finally did come and I was faced with making that choice, you know, thank God I chose uh, not to follow that plan and, and to come clean. Did you feel somehow empowered to continue to take the money that wasn't yours because you had given yourself this, you know, preordained out? Uh, You know, in a way, yes. But I have to say that um, even before I thought of that plan, I was uh, was using that money. I think I would most, mostly attributed to access and the quite frankly, the power of the addiction. Sure. And I've heard a number of your episodes before and people, as well as yourself, talking about how access to money uh, is so so dangerous to someone with the addiction that we have because it's it's like putting a bottle of scotch in front of somebody with an alcohol use disorder. I I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. I truly believe that if I had not gotten access to the type of money I had really unlimited access to that my, uh, I can't say I never would have become a compulsive gambler because it's certainly a part of my DNA. I've learned that after the fact, but I do not think I ever would have gone down the roads I went down if I didn't get that first kind of taste of access to significant money that allowed me to gamble far more than I could ever gamble with. Um, so it's interesting that you say that. Let me back up yeah, to you. If I could just say, I think for, for a lot of people like myself, I've, I've, I've had no um, issues with criminality. I've always done the right thing. And even when I began doing the wrong thing in terms of accessing funds that I had an opportunity to access, 
I never considered myself as engaging in criminal behavior. I was borrowing the money that would one day get paid back. And uh, therefore, uh, I wasn't, uh, I I didn't view myself as as a criminal. And uh, I hear that a lot from people who uh, have this addiction and who have engaged in the same types of of activities. Sure. Well, it all comes down to intent, right? You didn't walk into a bank and steal the money. You took money that in your mind, because of the addiction, well, I'm going to go win it. And as soon as I win it, I'm just going to replenish it from where I got it from. I get it. Trust me. I get it. I get that story all too well. How did it start for you? When you look back on your life, was there a point when gambling was fun and recreational and wasn't a problem? And when you look back, what are kind of the origins of your gambling? Sure. Um, I always viewed gambling uh, as as a fun activity of something that I really enjoyed. Uh, like I've heard you say, um, I thought I was a, a skillful blackjack player. I was a casino gambler, didn't play much online because, quite frankly, didn't have much of an opportunity to uh, engage in legal online gambling. But I, I enjoyed the camaraderie of going to Atlantic City with friends, of sitting at a blackjack table, of kibitzing and having a couple of beers and just enjoying myself. Right. Uh, but I always knew that I liked it a bit more than my friends did. I was the the last person that wanted to leave to go home. And I always set limits for myself that I never was able to to comply with. But it really didn't cause any kind of long-term harm uh, until gambling uh, opportunities increased, where casinos then were built close to where I live. And that, in addition to just life's stress of having, uh, you know, a law practice, having uh, young children and uh, stresses in life. And I always thought that gambling was my way of relaxation. And it soon became a way of uh, escape from stress. And that was really my story. And uh, at some point, uh, after years of enjoying and playing, uh, of playing blackjack, uh, it no longer did it for me. I came a point in time where I completely abandoned blackjack and only played slot machines, which I found quite frankly insane because I thought slot machines was was just a game of uh, of craziness of people that had no skill of you know in the old days the old people coming down with with their buckets when we, we used to get coins from the machines right. and they'd, uh, and they'd sit there, you know, dropping nickels in. But in recovery, when I looked back at it, I realized it made sense because I was at such a point in my life where the stress mostly caused by gambling was just so much that I needed gambling strictly to numb myself. And the slot machine did it for me. It provided me with the isolation of just the machine and I. I didn't want to engage in any kind of conversation with others. And, uh, and the quick outcomes and just the chance of winning significant money immediately. Meaning, you know, I, I played it in the, uh, in the high stakes slot room and uh, I was just like a zombie staring at that machine and pressing a button one after the other after the other. And that really exacerbated my addiction. 
Dan, it's so it people won't understand that. Maybe you can explain to people, kind of, you know, based on your expertise, the thing that caused him the most pain is what he turned to to alleviate the pain. Yeah, it's that it's that relationship. It, that's why they always kind of talk about gambling and addiction as kind of that 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 uh, secret lover, that 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 ex girlfriend, if you will, or that ex boyfriend that you keep running back to. Right? It's a dysfunctional relationship. So we have a dysfunctional relationship with gambling, and it, it brings us both pleasure and pain at the same time. And what I hear from Jeff, it, and I think about often. Uh, you went from blackjack and more of a skill type form of gambling where there was typically action involved to more of that escape type gambling, which you typically find in the slot machines. And it's that rapid reinforcement. And, and once again, Jeff knows every so often, just like we all do, Craig, me and you and everyone else listening who gambles, every so often you're going to win something and it's going to feel really good. And it's almost like a reward. But then you just keep doing it. And over time, you just lose slowly, not just the money, but you're losing a piece of yourself your sanity, your mental health, and it just keeps this spiral going downward over time. We're going to get into more with Jeff uh, and Dan uh, right after this. It's Hello, My Name is Craig with Craig Carton on WFAN. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, guys, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Uh, Craig Carton, Dan Chilaro, and a friend of the program now named Jeff who's been sharing his very emotional uh, story of, uh, of gambling addiction, which started off with blackjack and then wound its way into uh, the zombie-like status of sitting on a stool uh, in front of a slot machine. At the height of your addiction, Jeff, give people an idea of how many hours you might sit in front of that machine or how many hours you might gamble when you did make a trip to a casino. Yes, yeah, so my, my standard... Uh uh, day was going into the office in the morning and maybe leaving uh, sometime in the early afternoon, uh, telling uh, my uh, colleagues or or uh, my employees that I was uh, meeting a client or going to a deposition or had a court appearance and I'd end up in the casino maybe at uh, two or three o'clock and I would stay there till, uh, you know, one o'clock in the morning. And in terms of, uh, you know, what I would tell my wife is that, uh, I was just the hardest working lawyer in Delaware, and uh, and she believed me. And and uh, I've had a couple of people when I share my story ask me, well, how did your wife not get suspicious being away for so long at all hours of the night? And the answer is pretty simple: she trusted me. Yep. And I completely exploited that trust, and uh, and sat in the casino for hours and hours and gambled. Um, I, I would say one thing, just based on, on what Dan said in the slot machines, at the time I was engaging in slot play, it wasn't about trying to win money. I was so far in debt, Craig, that no jackpot was going to make a dent in the damage that I had already created. And therefore, my slot play was purely uh, an anesthetic, a right. drug to numb myself. And that was the only time, quite frankly, in the day that I was able to escape from this cloud of stress and guilt and shame that invaded my life. So you didn't you didn't get caught gambling. You got caught when someone at the law firm audited the bank account or recognized there were withdrawals that didn't make any sense and called you on it. Is that a fair way to put it? 
Well, it, it was actually a random audit. And that's when, when I said before that it was a question of when, not if. Right. I knew that all firms were going to be randomly audited because we had gone through that over the years. And uh, it was just my, uh, my, if you will, luck of the draw, so to speak, where I got that email that the audit was going to come. And then I knew. So did, let know, me stop you I, there. When you get the email, is the first reaction to panic or was the first thought? Uh, what was the first thought? I better find a way to go. Maybe gamble, make some of that money back, put it in the account. What was your initial reaction? Yeah, it, it was definitely panic. Even though I, I say that I knew it was going to come. Right. When it did come, it still hits you like a like a like a gut punch. And uh, I tried to think of any kind of way to get myself out of it. I mean, there were so many years that I was able to you know, manipulate my way out of the lies and deceit that my ego was telling me that there must be some way to do it for this. And, and, and clearly there wasn't. So uh, once the realization uh, was made that I couldn't get out of it, that's when I, I frankly uh, told the auditors that showed up at my office to leave. And I, and I uh, left the office and uh, sat in my car for, probably an hour just uh, going through my mind the plan that I had uh, created uh, that thought it was going to lead me to suicide. And but, I have to ask the question. You're sitting in your car, and now this is the crossroads of life. You've, you've got a plan that you've thought of, maybe quite detailed, of what you're going to do to get out of it, which is to take your own life. And then you must have had some type of something that happened that made you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to go tell my wife. Yeah, absolutely. I actually went through uh, the, the, the people that were closest to me, which were my wife and my, uh, my two adult children. Okay. And uh, I, I justified uh, doing what the plan was, and that is to end my life by saying they will get over it. In fact, when they discover the behaviors that I engaged in and kept hidden for so long, I, I said to myself, in a way, they'll be glad I'm gone. Hmm. But I also at the time had a, a mother who was 88 years old. Uh, in fact, an 88-year-old Jewish mother from New York. And uh, in my mind, I said, you know what? If I end my life, I'm going to be ending her life as well. And uh, that thought made me uh, do what I would consider something that I hadn't done in years, and that was the right thing. And that's when I went home and, and began the process of disclosure. And what was that like when you first sit down with your wife, whether it was alone or with uh, your adult kids? Do you come out and say, I have to tell you something? Do you kind of talk around it? Did you just come out and say, listen, I've got a gambling problem, and I owe the firm a bunch of money, and I might have some legal problems? Like, How did you say it? Well, I was, uh, it was in the afternoon, and I, and I got into bed, and my wife came uh, home from work, and frankly, she found me in bed, and I was sobbing. And she was, she was just you know, wondering, what is going on? What happened? Tell me. Right. And uh, I began the process of telling her, and uh, she was absolutely devastated. Um, and, uh, I call it my weekend of hell. That was a Friday. I'll never forget it. July 24th, 2015. 
told her that day, um, told my law partner um, that weekend as well on the Sunday. And then the Sunday evening had my kids come over and had to tell them. The, you know, one of the worst things about that is my son worked for me. He was a young lawyer that uh, followed in my footsteps, if you will. So I was his father, his mentor, his role model. And now he was being told that the father who he thought he knew, he did not know at all. It was a father that, that did things that he never would have thought. And it was, it was such a scary moment for me. I didn't know if my children would abandon me, if my wife would leave me. It, it, it was just, uh, it, it was a nightmare. I, but, I, ex uh, as it I explain to people a lot of times, and Dan and I talk about it a lot, and we really appreciate your, your honesty here and sharing this with us, yeah. in that once you finally drop the ego, for me at least, I can't speak to everyone, but I do think there's some commonality, and start being honest and stop all the lies, all the deceit, and just come clean mentally... It's like such a, it's like if you could actually make it a tangible pile of crap or garbage in front of you, it would be as tall as the Empire State Building. So I'm wondering now, six years since you came clean to your family and have gone without wagering, do you feel the same way that mentally life is just so much easier? Yeah, my stage, in, I'm 65 years old, Craig, and, and I will tell you that my life is the best now than it's ever been. Um, you know, I, I have three grandchildren. All of them were born after I entered recovery. My, my wife stuck with me after a, of some difficult uh, months of, uh, of trying to demonstrate that I was committed to, to recovery and to change. Uh, my children uh, are closer to me than ever. But uh, I am who I am. I, I, I don't want to paint the picture that uh, I consider myself just who I am the last uh, nearly six years. I'm, I'm a flawed human being with a, with a very nightmarish past, but I'm also a human being that is resilient and uh, at my age learned to uh, engage in things that I never would have dreamt. I, I now work for a problem gambling council Great. and spend my time uh, trying to help others. Um, and I, uh, I run a group, a support group online for problem gamblers that have uh, over 100 members from all over the world. And uh, in, in some ways, I feel like this was my plan. This was the mission. Uh, I can't say that I'm grateful to, because of how I got here, not because of what I went through myself, but what I put my family through. But uh, I have to say that today life is, is wonderful. Dan, we talk about that a lot. You know, it's not just what we do to ourselves. It's all those people around us. I've talked about it. You've talked about it. Jeff now is sharing the same exact thing. Until you, once you come to terms with it and you're honest about it, you start recognizing all the other people that you hurt. Some of them you knew you were hurting and some of you had no idea. But that's a, that, that is the story every single time. It really is. It's that realization, right? And I think, Craig, you hit on it before when you said that, that, that magic word, that ego. When we're in the midst of the addiction, you know, the ego is so high and addiction and ego go hand in hand. And I remember being in a uh, recovery meeting on a faith-based group uh, a number of years ago and someone had brought up the word ego. And, and 
the, the term he used was it's edging the God of our understanding out of our life, right? E-G-O, edging God out. And for some of our listeners, you know, this is an important weekend, right? For people who listen, it's, it's a, a weekend of uh, death and rebirth and optimism and renewal. And, and, and we talk about our previous experience with addiction and now being in recovery, we have been in some ways reborn and transformed to reduce that ego, lower that ego, and now see the possibilities that are out there as we continue to do shows like this and talk to Jeff and others who are experiencing this, this, this positive outlook on life, which is possible when we just reach out and ask for help. Yeah, and truth be told, uh, as the guys will tell you, it is a process because you know there are still times when I'll overhear guys talking about a trip to a casino or you know, playing cards or this or that. And there are times, as much as I'm in a really good place that I don't believe that I'm going to gamble today, and I'll, you know, hopefully wake up and do the same tomorrow, where I hear people talking about it, and there are times I still say to myself, I was so good at that game, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and I catch myself sometimes, you know, thinking that way when, it, when I overhear other people, you know, it's on TV or whatever it might be, where I do catch myself sometimes. So it is a process yeah. for sure. It is. And, you know, it, it's funny. When Jeff was talking before, I don't know if either one of you have ever seen a Twilight Zone episode. I'm a Twilight Zone guy. And in 1960, there was an episode called The Fever. It was season one, episode 17. It aired on January 29th. And it's a relationship between a guy and a slot machine. Hmm. And I think in that 1960 episode, you see what gambling addiction looks like. And if you check out that episode, it's remarkable. He wins. The machine knows he wins, follows him back into his room. <laughs> And Jeez. the gentleman ultimately takes his own life. Wow. Well, listen, we'll, uh, I'll try to watch an episode before next week's show. And uh, there's been a bunch of articles that have been written recently that Dan and I will get into regarding the fear for young people who are now being uh, you know, bludgeoned every day of the week over the head on the radio and TV with gambling ads and these ridiculous come-ons guaranteeing you you know, money that will start going down that road as well. Jeff, can't thank you enough. Uh Enjoy Passover and uh, the holiday weekend, and we appreciate you sharing your story, and the very best to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome, Jeff. Dan, as always, appreciate it. The Council on Compulsive Gambling uh, for New Jersey, as we're now into the month of April, their number never changes. 1-800-GAMBLER. Check them out if you need help or if you have a loved one that you think needs help. Dan and his uh, staff are always available to talk to people 24-7. Thanks for the time, as always, Dan. Appreciate it, pal. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Everybody, enjoy your uh, Easter tomorrow and a little pizza rustica. And Evan and I will see you Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Thank you for allowing us into your homes and cars and Alexas for this very important conversation. On Sports Radio 1019 FM, The Fan.